Hi, this is Soul Sisters with Emily Page and Wesley Page. We're sisters. We started this podcast. We talk about things of the soul. We are talking about today. Well, Emily, say hello. hello. Say hi. Welcome. Hi, welcome. <laughs> Today's podcast is about something that's particularly meaningful to us. And Mental- controversial. What? And controversial. And controversial. Uh, mental illness and um, we have a unique experience to be able to share about it because about a few years ago, I think it was six years ago, our mom developed adult onset bipolar schizophrenia. If you have ever had someone who love who has bipolar schizophrenia or even met someone on the street who was hallucinating talking to themselves, you've probably met someone with this type of an illness. And the painful thing about it is that it's, it came upon someone who we deeply loved. It was also, our mother was normal, relatively normal up till this time where this happened to her and she lost her mind. Most people who get bipolar schizophrenia get it when they're younger. So it, it manifests when you're about 18 to 24 And so people, when they're younger, start to become crazy. And this happened to our mom when she was about 50, I think 54, 55. And she went from being a loving person who also, she had a temper. She had a, like a smart side of her. She had a sensitive side to her. So she was not like this perfect, sensitive, quiet angel, but she was a human that we could all relate to. And then she suddenly became crazy having hallucinations. And so we lost a side of our mom and had to deal with this thing or this mental change where she was no longer even the same person calling herself by a different name. And it was so painful and shocking and difficult for us to deal with as a family. And we realized how other people are out there in the world who were going through the same type of thing. There were such little resources, such little support for us, even amongst the medical community that has almost no knowledge of what our brain chemistry is. All of the medications currently given to people are dealing with symptoms. All of the processes to protect, like in the medical field, are there to protect the crazy person, not the person in the family. So when she's in California, in California especially, so when she's people in our family, physically harm people in our family, we could not force her to take medication. We could not do anything except for call the police after she had done some like heinous crime. And it was very dangerous feeling and dangerous for other people. She would drive and it was just right, very depressed. But we, <laughs> let's not rehash all of it. Yes, our, we've had some personal specific experience with mental illness and our mother and getting into it just as depressing. It, it, well, the point is that there's different types of it. There's different degrees and some yeah. people feel depression and that's mental illness. There's other types where people lose their mind. Yeah. I, yeah. There's different levels. And I think that's the difficulty with even talking about mental illness because there's different levels. I had someone come up to me once and was like, Oh, I heard about your mom. That's so sad. I also stug- struggle with depression. And I'm like, that is not the same that I appreciate what you are saying. Like, um, it's, it's not, it's not like there, there's things, there's mental illnesses that are more or less controllable. And 
it could be said that our mother had an un has an uncontrollable mental illness. It controls her and not, she's not able to, and then again, like some people would say, well, my depression isn't controllable. Yeah, but your depression doesn't force you to like want to hurt somebody and you can control that urge to not want to hurt somebody, but some mental illness, you can't even control that ability to want to not hurt someone. Like most of the shooters, I don't know, in the nineties or something, we're all on antidepressants and whatever. Yeah, I, think, I think the hard thing is we're not saying that people who are depressed can control it, but it's just that there are different degrees of mental illness. Yeah. And so that's, and there's no way of measuring that. No outsider can say, you can control it or you can't. They just are victims of whatever you are expressing if you have a mental illness. And so it's hard. We sort of want to talk about it from the perspective of people on the receiving end because we love our mother and the conflict also is there where we were also scared for a period of time and we had to deal with it. So we're yeah, not with compassion on habit. Even clarifying that. And Emily and I go deep into these things because we are so... intuitive and thoughtful that maybe we're not explaining this too much empathetic. I think empathetic and so we don't want to offend anyone but this I would say we're talking about our own personal experience and our own personal opinion and so anything that we say on this podcast today is not a reflection of anything other than our own experience and our own thoughts so if you disagree feel free to disagree and just know that it's just our opinion we're not any authority we're just speaking on what we feel like our experiences have been. Um, do you think that's clear, clear enough or do you want to add anything else? I think we should also add how deeply, the reason why this experience was painful um, having this happen, why we're sharing it is because there were so little resources out there for even medical professionals or anyone to identify what was going on and empathize with our family and give us resources. So yeah. sharing for people who are searching on the internet or in their lives and they're, they're in this painful experience where they love someone so much, they love someone so much and have empathy and compassion are trying to help them with their mental illness. And at the same time are kind of suffering underneath it as well. And so I think that's the, whatever we say we're saying because we love deeply our mom and it pains our heart to know that she's stuck in a mental illness and we didn't know how to fix it. Yeah. Yeah. So where should we start? Um, I think my, it, what? Well, I think it'd be interesting to just say, um, kind of like in general, I think defining how this mental illness from your perspective, like, do you think she had control over it? Do you think, mm. Yeah, you know, it's, I actually was talking to a friend today who I forgot her brother was a schizophrenic, and she's a friend I knew in college, and I shared a room with her my first semester, and she was short, so you know who I'm talking about, but it's not on the thing. She's a photographer now, <laughs> um, and her brother was severely schizophrenic, and they had to put him on PM and... And uh, it's just crazy. And she was asking me about how my mom's doing. And I was like, you know, you do good days and bad days. And you can't really 
explain that to anyone that doesn't know anyone with mental illness, severe. Um, well, I'm like, there's good days and bad days and good weeks and bad weeks. And I'm just, it's going to be like this forever. You know, it's just, yeah. And she just was like, yeah, that is how it is. And, um, even when they're on medication, you know, you're always ultra changing the dosage and trying to figure things out. And her brother eventually died. Um, and he was in a institution. Yeah. Well, but true. Yeah. Um, but you know, she was happy to know that my mom's back in our lives, but just telling her that like, it's the oddest thing having her back and yet having her in a place where she's, um, stable enough to talk about finally at a place where she's able to acknowledge that she hears voices. And that's something that, um, I think everyone wants someone suffering with schizophrenia to, to do is to finally acknowledge I hear things because then that's the start of healing. Um, yeah. And so on the topic of choice, I think that was what we were confused about in the very beginning is that we go in and out of a level of consciousness or control, like seeming control, her regular personality that you're familiar with, and a part of her personality that we did not know or identify that was a made up person it took us a while to try to, at first we thought she could control it. At first we thought she was being irrational. And then we thought, oh no, she can't control this thing. It's, she's disappeared. The actual consciousness of who we knew is gone. And it shifted us into a level of both compassion and concern. Like, wow, what do we do to help her? She's stuck. Um, and so I, I guess I think we came to the conclusion and I think it takes some people time that like whoa even when she's being unkind it's not a conscious choice and so we were able to keep connected to the love that we have for our mom and the compassion that we have and realize oh my gosh since we're the ones who can control it we have to figure out how to have resources to help her and to help each other as a family because we're all going to be suffering caring for someone who's going to hurt us. So how are we going to make boundaries? What do we do? We need resources because she doesn't have control. She doesn't have a choice. Yeah. I think the, the, I think that's what we agreed as a family that we would view it as, is that that person, that her mother wasn't there and that whatever's happening is something she can't control. I think the hard part is when at our, our mom, when she came back into our lives and was, is now choosing to sort of be normal is when she said in her own voice that she feels like she could have controlled some of it and she chose to listen to the voices. And now that she's back with us is saying, I'm going to try to ignore those voices. And that's something I find crazy difficult. It must be crazy difficult. Personality. And then after five years, we sort of had to set some really strong boundaries where we said we weren't going to talk to her because she was being so aggressive and critical of us and physically threatening. And after we did that for a period of time, she was sorry. She was sorry because she missed her family. And she, she came back, apologized for her scary antisocial behavior and said, I'm going to change because I really want to be connected to you guys, have friendships. 
I thought that was significant that because for a long time we struggled with setting boundaries. We so much wanted to keep our mom around and be loving and be supportive that we would make compromises to our own safety or to our own like mental health. And eventually it just took a toll on us and we all decided, okay, we're going to cut you out of our life. Actually, we're going to stop talking to you because you are, you know, it's just, you're, you're jeopardizing our safety and our mental health. And when mm-hmm. we did that, <clears throat> this is the crazy thing is like, we had to put up boundaries for her to change. And once we did that, she actually was able to bring parts of her schizophrenia into control and then apologize actually saying, Hey, I was in control during that time. I, I didn't have to be mean to you. I remember what I was doing, which that's a very controversial I don't yeah. know every person who goes to, where I'm not saying every person who goes through mental illness has that same kind of control. I think every person's probably unique and every family has to deal with it differently. But that experience was like just so eye opening. Like you yeah. said, it was just so eye opening for her to acknowledge her own respons- responsibility and apologize. Yeah. I think as a Christian and that's the Christian element is like one, I don't think, mental illness is something that's really been nailed down. Even with my friend whose brother, they were giving them, giving them lithium and they didn't know how to solve it his whole life. They never knew how to solve it. And I think people are still struggling to solve mental illness because I think there's can be a myriad of causes. Um, uh, but I think as a Christian, then it's like, how do you pray for that person? And I want to encourage everyone that to continue to pray and also continue to let go (laughs) and not be, not be mad if you have to walk away, if you've been praying, but also know that I don't think my mom would be back in the state she is if she wasn't, if we hadn't prayed for her. Um, it's not easy having her back. She's still mentally ill, (laughs) but, um, if there's any relationship at all, it's because we prayed for her. So I think there is benefits to praying, but also have grace to know you, you can walk away and stop praying. Cause at a certain point after we had prayed for her, we, we had to let her go. So, and let grace take control and, um, your prayers are being heard. And I just, in the, in the Bible, there's, there are a few people that are mentally ill and I, it doesn't make sense in the Bible either. Nebuchadnezzar was, crazy by God's hand. And then he came back and I don't think there's any clear picture. There are people that demon that are demon possessed and it looks like insanity, but they're possessed. And, um, uh, I'm thinking of Legion that cut himself in the caves. Um, and like lived homeless, you know, he lived in the home, like homeless. So it's, it's a weird subject, but I think as Christians, like, it's an even weirder subject. Yeah, because you believe as a Christian in spiritual, a spiritual level of the world and that spiritual forces can influence you know, our choices or our thoughts. <clears throat> and there is something that, there's different types of you know, mental capacity. So when you speak with someone who has Down syndrome, there typically is a gentleness, a kindness, and yeah. not a scary, um, there's something different mentally, but it's, it's not scary. And some mental illness is not scary. Some mental illness is very scary. And the the parts that are scary are when people try to hurt themselves or other people or 
yeah, and where does that level of self-harm or other harm come from? You, you can't really, there is no medical explanation or a level of control, and there's no spiritual level of control either that we can really, there's no, there's no control. You're kind of victim to it. And besides, besides prayer, I thought that was powerful for both our mom, but also for our family to come together and deal with these situations. But so was boundaries. Yeah. Boundaries is the most defining situation of like, okay, we're going to set up boundaries. We are not going to allow, we, it's okay if you're mentally ill, but it's not okay if you're going to hurt anyone in our family, either emotionally or physically. And that's where we had to draw the line. And the way we did it was important. I thought is that we came together as a family to talk about it because individually we would each experience a level of fear or concern or depression over dealing with her. It was too much to do it by ourselves. We had to do it together to talk about it together, be open and transparent to be able to set good boundaries that would be helpful for everybody. Yeah. And I think getting it in writing because you, when you're putting boundaries with someone that's mentally ill, they're going to make you feel bad. They're going to tell you you're a terrible person. They're going to try to manipulate you. They're going to just pretty much make you feel terrible, even though their behavior is clearly what's making you do these things, but putting it in writing one, it, I feel like when they get that in writing, then they can read it over and over again. And maybe by chance in that moment with a normal, they can read it with normal eyes, but also for history's sake that when they maybe in a moment where they do get normal, they can look back and read it. And, but also for yourself so that you can see, okay, I wasn't overreacting. I wasn't mean. I wasn't anything. You can run it by other people and other people can approve it and say, whether it's this or that. Um, and we did that several times. It's not even just once. It's several times, probably 10 different times on text message, reinforcing the rules via text message, via phone, via word, via email. Um, reassuring her of how much we loved her. Yeah. Clearly what she was doing that was not acceptable and what we expected of her to build a relationship with us and putting it in writing more than anything, I felt like it was important for our family to feel better about, because we loved her so much. It was terrible and, and sad to put up boundaries. And then when she would act normal again, we felt like, oh, maybe we misunderstood. Maybe we were not being compassionate. Maybe we misremembered the situation. And when, by putting it in writing, that solidified for all of us. Hey, we all agreed that this type of behavior is not acceptable. And if she does X, it's fine. Y, it's not. And I think it emotionally helped me to set healthy boundaries and to emotionally release like the concern I had about my mom and to live my own life without having to feel like I was enabling or worrying about her. People, again, is the best way to make sure you're walking that balance of being positive, being nice, but also setting boundaries. It's like, how else do you know? Right. Right. Because love is boundaries. Love is love says no. Um, shockingly, it's now that my mom's healthy when she's or healthier, she's able to look back and see those things, and she saved them. She she actually saved them when she was mentally ill. She saved all the letters my dad wrote her. She saved all the stuff that we and right. she yeah, and she went through them sort of. And she my when my dad asked her, she's like, I'm too scared to go through them because I don't want to see what it was that I was saying and doing. I felt like a different person. I felt possessed. But yet, as said, she did say that she could, she 
was listening, allowing them to dictate how she felt. Right. Um, and, and she herself has said that boundaries are the best with the best things. And when Emily, when you were asking her about that other friend of yours, she said, put it in writing. She said the same exact thing because you can go back to it. Um, yes. She said it hurt her that we cut her out of our lives for a period of time and she didn't understand it at the time. But thinking back on it now that she's past that moment, she realizes that she did know why she yeah. was angry about why she wanted to have the freedom to be aggressive towards us and not have consequences. And so she was grateful for the boundaries because it helped her to come back to us. Yeah. And, and one of the things, yeah, I don't want to go into what our boundaries were. Cause I think if you don't know the circumstances, then it's easy to judge our lives. But, um, I think some of them were, my dad had to put some boundaries in, which forced her back into our lives. And like, for example, I have a child, so I didn't let her see my child. And that was really painful for her because she wasn't safe. And um, that was one of the other things that was like, okay, I don't get this if I don't behave. And just recently she had another bout where she's like, I'm going away. I'm going to just go. And she, you know, got an apartment by herself. And I said, okay, that's great. I want you to like enjoy this time that you can figure this stuff out, but I don't want to be a part of this process. And please get a therapist and talk to them about this because you can't call me and talk to me about how you're feeling and whether or not, you know, the choices you've made, because that's what she'll do. She'll like call the family members and try to pretend like we're therapists. And, and when I said that, I was like, just take this time and So, um, I think what was I saying? I just that you had to set boundaries again recently because she had a relapse of sorts. I felt that that was when we actually had more freedom. Otherwise my brother would judge my sister. Well, my brother would judge my sister for having certain boundaries because he didn't realize that she felt physically unsafe. My brother's massively big and if my mom ever threatened him physically, he wasn't scared, but my sister was scared. And so he, in the beginning, was judging her for being afraid. And so we had to actually get together and actually talk about it. So that way she could have support and he could see her perspective. And it feels like when someone's crazy like that and they're selfish, they become, you, know, you become an enabler. Like everyone in the family is trying to make sure that that person doesn't get angry or doesn't get sick or get mad and it can come at the cost of everyone else's mental health and relationships. And so I think that's the other thing that we had to realize is like, you can love someone and support them, but that doesn't mean that their mental illness should cost you your own sanity and you have to take care actually of yourself first in the midst of dealing with that. And you have to take care of your family first too. That person can't be the reason why everyone's suffering or your family's breaking up. You have to set boundaries and you need to do it together and you support yourself and those other people. And that's just as important as whatever that other person is desiring. So if they want to spend time with you and you don't want to spend time with them because you can't handle it, it's okay. Right. So you need to pray for them, pray for yourself, pray for your family and 
And then sometimes you can stop praying because if it's too much for you, you can just let go and trust that God's going to take care of it and come back to it when you can. I think to sum up everything in general, the whole reason why we decided to start talking about these things is because we wanted someone, if anyone did find this podcast, it's because they are dealing with suffering and trying to search the internet for some sort of an answer. And we didn't find those answers. So we wanted to create this for you. And we're sorry if you're going through something like that. We're sorry if people don't believe you that someone in your family is crazy. We're sorry if someone in your family is suffering and you're not crazy. We assure you, you're not crazy. Um, it feels like that when you know someone else who is, you start to doubt your own sanity and we feel like God used this terrible situation in our lives actually for good. And the Bible promises that even evil and bad things in your life, God can work out for a better benefit and that he has purpose in these things and he can produce something spiritual and deep and beautiful in your family and in the midst of that person's life and yours. So we just want to encourage people by sharing our example of what happened and say we we can acknowledge that after five years of this experience that god has turned turned these things into something beautiful in our family that made us both more mature more compassionate more loving and helped to evolve our family to to a better higher level right and wesley and i have a weird perspective even as christians because we always say like God's shaping your third eye and that's a, it's not necessarily a Protestant Christian belief that you have a third eye, but the concept behind a third eye is so applicable. It's like you're, we see out of our regular physical eyes, but there is a deeper spiritual sense of knowing where you know what, what the spiritual level of, of life is, what is God doing in your life? And you could say it's a third eye or it's your ability to hear the Holy spirit but if you take time in your life to like, listen for God, God is speaking in the midst of your day. And so this moment was so painful and felt so supernatural and outside of our physical control that it caused us to seriously seek God and seriously listen for God and seriously humble our humble ourselves because our perfect family fell apart. And it's one perspective to say, Whoa, your family fell apart. Your whole life changed. You're never going to have back the perfect family that you felt like you had. And that is true, but on a different level, the humility that came from the breaking of the illusion of having a perfect family, one that um, a middle-class perfect family, that was an incredibly powerful and special thing to have your heart broken and have God restore it is a very beautiful spiritual thing. So in that, in that sense, I'm very grateful for this experience because there is a shaping of each of us in our family and our family as a whole of being more spiritually aware and more humble and more compassionate and loving. Yeah. And I think, um, when you are dealing with mental illness, you are trying to look for any resource that you can girl brain, brain on fire was a really good book about a girl that whose brain 
kind of shut down on her and it was because of something physical and they didn't know what to do. And they just said she was crazy, but she wasn't. And, um, it's just, you're looking for everything to kind of solve and answer this question as to why that person, you know, why your mom, why your dad, why your sister, why your friend, or f figuring it out what it is that they even have. So we just wanted to put our story out there a little bit just to hear, to let, um, those searching know that they're not alone. Like the second my friend was like, Oh yeah, my brother is schizophrenic. Do you remember that? And I was like, Oh my gosh, no, I didn't remember that. And, um, and it's just such a, it's just such a thorn in your heart um, because you want, you love those people. And I'm just always amazed at how, what, how many lengths I'll go to for my mom who's incapable of doing anything back in return, but what I would do for her. And, um, and yet she's incapable of even appreciating it because you love someone when you love someone that's family or close friends, you, you want to see their best. And I think also just remembering that like, if you're willing to do that for someone that doesn't appreciate you or can't even mentally understand what you're capable, what you're doing, um, have some grace on yourself and love yourself because people love you and they would be willing to do that for you. If you're willing to do that for a terrible person, not a terrible person, person that's selfish person or a narcissist or someone that's not able to give anything back. If you asked something of your friends and family and started asking more, because I think those of us with those people in our lives are always giving, don't forget to ask things for people in return. Because I think that's what I'm always amazed by. I'm like, wow, my mom asks so much from me and from her family and requires so much and we give it to her without thinking. If I did that, you know, if I even asked, maybe I should be asking more from people and, and showing them the consequences, <laughs> like being more verbal about it um, because they're doing it the wrong way, but you can do it the right way. You can't ask for help the right way. Um, yeah. And you need to, in a time like that, I think our initial response to what was going on with my mom was shame. And we didn't want to share it with anyone in her friend group because I know that she felt shame. <laughs> as the dog we all we all felt shame and embarrassment so we didn't even know who to share it with and then we shared it with some people and they didn't believe us and there's just so many layers to this experience you get better you always think they're going to get better that's the other thing is and it's like if they get better then you don't want to talk about it because you want them to be able to continue on with the mask of normalcy right but it was, it took a while for us to think that she was actually fully going to be gone. At least for me, that's why I didn't want to share. It's like, I didn't know for sure that she was gone. Yeah. And, and to um, honor her memory, I didn't want to embarrass. I mean, I, her behavior, I know would embarrass her. If right. she, she was embarrassed of being unloving to her kids. She didn't, that was not who she was or her memory. Yeah. So but by sharing it, like the people who were able to be compassionate and loving, there was a level of depth of friendship and support where those people could express love towards us. And so like you're saying, you're talking about those people who are narcissists or who are mentally ill and taking a lot. People, if, you're, if, you're, if you aren't mentally ill, you should ask for help. Support from your people in your life. True, true. Well, we hope you guys, for those of you that are searching and looking, feel free to reach out and we'd love to share more of our story with you. Um, 
Emily, do you have anything else you want to say in closing? Just that we love the people who are going through it, whether it's someone who is mentally ill or someone who is struggling with someone who is mentally ill. And no matter what you felt like you heard today, I hope that is the overarching message is that we love people who are going through these experiences. And there's a lot of compassion, empathy, and listening that needs to happen to understand your story, their story, because it's not just something you can judge from the outside. So we just want to send love. That's the purpose of this. So we hope you give us that same love in us sharing this story. If anything was offensive or weird, truly, truly, we love our mom. We love anybody going through these experiences. And that's the only thing that we wanted to give to you if you listen. Mm -hmm. Thanks for joining us. And we'll see you next week. <laughs> Did you